I have to admit that this conversation I have just had has definitely made me rethink everything I thought I knew about social media, what I did know about social media, what I feared about social media, because I was lucky enough to speak to Sue Finesse, founder and CEO of We Are Eight, the social media platform that's unlike any you've ever known before, because it's full of positivity, empathy, and integrity. This is a social media platform with femininity at its very heart. And I honestly was moved to tears, not only because of her extraordinary letter, but because I was sitting with one of the most powerful women yet to be. And it was one of those moments where I pinched myself, realising that Sue very much could be the saviour that we've all been looking for. And I pray she is, and I know that we as a community will do everything to support this incredible woman on her quest to change things for the better. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not On The High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favourite small businesses, entrepreneurs and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have been looking forward to this conversation so much. So a warm welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Oh, thank you, Holly. It's so gorgeous to be here. Thank you. Well, we've both just been talking about just before we aired, what a day we're both having and how funny it's us tech um, female entrepreneurs, um, as much as we might have built things before, just working from home and normal stuff can really, really get in the way. But I'm I'm so excited to talk about the revolutionary um, vision that you have and with your platform, We Are Eight. Um, I just want to give you the heads up. Will you just, and, and by the way, just meeting you, I already know you'll do this. Just just go easy on all of us. Um, we've You're talking to tech imposter syndrome gang number one here. Okay. So (laughs) we just want to go with you with this, but you're going to be, you're so super smart. Just, just, just bear with us. Oh, do you know what the funny thing is, you know, you never look at yourself like that, right? Because you, but I look at the technology and technology should serve us as human beings instead of us being slaves to it. And I always think there's this tendency to think, oh, my God, they've built all these brilliant algorithms and they're so brilliant out of Silicon Valley. Well, the truth is they've been serving themselves and those algorithms, by the way, we, I did, we, did a, we studied all the algorithms, 
they're built just to control what we see and how we feel. So I'm all up for challenging this, the, the status quo and it's not as uh, frightening as, as what exists today, actually. Oh, well, I'm so pleased to hear about this because I think it's genius what you're doing. And I think the the world is completely ready. All of us are completely ready for you and what you're building. I'm going to get into it more later down the podcast, but just to kick us off before we get into your childhood, would you just tell us um, more, a little bit about We Are Eight and just more about what we're going to hear about yeah, so Holly, look, this has been, I feel everything I've kind of done for the last 35 years has kind of led to this. But basically, I built a company in the US that was tracking ad spend all around the world, a data company. And the shocking thing, I mean, we were looking at brands spend $500 billion a year. Last year, $117 billion went directly to Facebook. And the crazy thing was, it wasn't even working for the advertisers. Like the click-through rate and engagement was under 0.4%. So that sort of struck me as how could we have $117 billion going to a company that's only delivering 0.4% engagement rate? We, Rio Ferdinand, who's a big partner, and I often laugh, I mean, it's what would, what would Manchester United have said if you'd all go onto the field and you'd only be successful... <laughs> 0.4% of the time. I mean, everyone would be thrown off. Mm. So I was looking at this just thinking this is so broken. It's not even working for advertisers. And then at the same time, we were seeing, you know, the climate as a mum, as a human, I was seeing that they were fueling climate misinformation. I remember seven years ago, I was saying we have 15 years until the damage we've done to our planet is irreversible. I was seeing it fuel the mental health crisis and just how people were feeling. And then there was this catalyst moment for me. I was in the States and there was a stat that the Federal Reserve came out with saying 40% of all Americans can't find $400 in an emergency, which, by the way, they think mm. post-COVID it's 80% of all Americans. It's very similar stats here in the UK. I mean, these stats are shocking. And I just thought, oh, my God, each of us is worth $400 a year to Zuckerberg and Facebook, and yet that's what people can't get, you know, people people can't find that in an emergency. Can't get emergency. hold of it. Right. So all we've got to do is have brands now value and pay people for their time instead of going through social. So for us it was sort of two things. How do we reimagine that ad model so the money is shared. I often see headlines saying We Are Eight pays users to watch ads. Well, no, we don't. We share the advertiser money with our citizens and charities. 5% of all the money goes through to charities. 5% goes to a creator fund and 50% of the money goes into people's pockets. We share the wealth. We share the money mm -hmm. with the people. And, and I think it's this reimagine the economic model to redirect the money from the tech yeah. companies back to people and then reimagine social in a way that you can't be anonymous, is free from hate, is good for the planet. So what you're going to see in January is is a completely reimagined social that's going to feel like an old familiar shoe, like putting on Instagram, 
but you'll be back in control. You'll see your friends free of algorithms in a friend's feed. You'll get inspired on the eighth stage by following people you love. And then if you want to watch a couple of ads, every time you do, donations go to charity and money goes into your wallet so you can pay your mobile bill, you can pay your Spotify. Because our whole thinking is you should be getting a pound a day or a dollar a day for two to three minutes of your time. The tech companies shouldn't shouldn't get it. And so what starts with a sort of a commercial economic reclaiming our economic power then turns into us standing united to all have a voice. So our larger vision is then to just bring power back to people's voices and imagine a world where we can not just 8 million people don't have enough food in the UK. So let's get today, donate your earnings to Fair Share who can get someone a meal for 25p. Let's address that together and then let's tap on this petition to save the bees so that Greenpeace can, you know, go to parliament with um, or multiple parliaments around the world with a billion signed petitions. It's this whole collective action uh, wrapped in a really fun bow feeling. I told you, everyone, (laughs) we have got someone (laughs) super special here today. I mean, are you just kidding me there? I just want to just bow in your presence oh God, and I haven't even it, got to the first question about your childhood yet. Hang on. <laughs> I mean, how how has this happened? Well, we're going to come full circle to this because going back to young Sue, you grew up outside of Melbourne in Australia and your dad was a pathologist and your mum was a nurse. And this spiked, this early love of science that we've just heard being spoken about, but in such a brilliant way, because no one is feeling like the imposter at this point in time. Was it a happy childhood? Yeah, I had a, look, I I look at it, I was really happy. Um, It was a working class suburb. I mean, my parents were good people. Mum, I used to do Meals on Wheels with mum and she was, they were community kind of citizens, people. Dad was always very much about for the others. He was, you know, pathologist. So I used to go to the hospital with him and I loved the science and we used to have some pretty intense conversations around the table. There probably wasn't as much laughter as I would have loved um, is the reality, but I don't know that there ever is in life. I actually at one point said to my team, I just want every single Canadian just to do a funny clip every day. I want the top eight funniest moments and that's all I want to start my day. Then I want to see a few friends and feel a moment of changing the world and then go and run through the forest. So as a little girl, I think, I don't know that I ever, I don't know that any of us ever feel like we really fit in, do we? No. I I, I mean, I think there's a happiness that we can feel, which is always feels like a good foundation, you know, a good stable foundation. And it feels like you did have that. Totally. But potentially as you've grown into becoming a parent, maybe there's more laughter around your tables than there were when you were a kid. Yeah, I mean, you're right, but it's, and maybe I place too much high priority on uh, laughter and and silliness, but, you know, growing up, I went, my parents actually took us to Europe. We had that book, Europe on $20 a day, and we were in this crappy little car going around Europe as a kid, and I, I was 10 at the time, 
And I just remember it's like my whole world opened up to what was possible. And I can still remember almost we had to write a diary every day. I mean, my parents are good people, but, you know, I just think they, it was all, my family, it was all about education and travel. And so they sacrificed, they would, that's why mum was working to, to, help mm-hmm. us with school and so they were they're really good people I just think I wanted to escape yeah <laughs> yeah I also read when researching you that you loved cooking as a child um but that color tv had a huge impact on you um obviously there was no social media in those days uh I remember that tell me about that why why did it impact you yeah I mean my mum was a dad's a scientist and also an artist actually so it was this beautiful mix of pathology is diving deeply into the cellular structure and then you know art is pulling landscape art, pulling back and seeing the colour and up to the universe. And it was all crazy, com- fabulous conversations with Dad. And he'd make us go through art galleries for years. But, but And Mum was sort of into cooking and um, so, and she worked. So she'd leave food in the fridge and I would cook. And I used to pretend actually that I had a cooking show um, but there were no mobile phones. I would have loved it to actually have a cooking show. Yeah. But I used to imagine I had a cooking show and I would cut everything up and put it in the little bowls and stuff and then imagine and I would cook it all and then they were, imagine that there was giant, a giant chute and I could put any excess food in the chute and imagine that it would whiz off to people that needed it. And then I used to watch, I remember when black and white TV became colour and it was a magical. I mean, the idea that all of that could be coming from America. I mean, it was like Bewitched and the Brady Bunch and all of those really beautiful (laughs) shows. And it would come into my lounge room and make me imagine another world. And I became really obsessed with how that reached me. And then I used to imagine that all those characters, that we could talk to them and, and you know, even imagining sort of getting into that screen. And that was how I would es- escape. But how, I mean, look at the golden thread there. You're <laughs> literally, you are getting into a screen and you really are doing that thing. I mean, that is a bizarre, a bizarre thought, actually, that that is literally now what you're doing. I so want to get into how you started your career, but skipping forward a few years, you're you're now truly immersed in the world of social media, a very sort of digital landscape and one very sort of different, I suppose, from when you were younger. And before starting this business, you had a career, didn't you? And where digital was your career. Tell me about that and how you got into that. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm 54, Holly. So there's been a long time, there's been 35 years really obsessed with media. And you actually just made me think, I wonder if now we've built this gigantic collective shoot to get meals to people in need. I mean, sorry, on some level, when yeah. I talk about the numbers on, on how few people it takes watching four minutes of ads a day to get 800 million people fresh water or food, um, it's it's entirely possible. So, sorry, you just made me think about that. Maybe we've yeah. built the giant shoot together. You, Yeah. 
the always obsessed with media and how it sort of shapes our lives and and even I look back at the sort of perfect world of of what the Brady Bunch. I mean, that was so ridiculous, wasn't it? That what we all used to mm-hmm. aspire to. Um, and then I started a, a, a company in Australia, built and, and sold that to um, Omnicom. We worked with lots of the Sydney 2000 Olympic sponsors and then built a, a, a company in uh, China and bought the first musical to China actually with Andrew Lloyd Webber and then built a, a tech infrastructure that was really using early digital at the time. DVD, remember VHS? So they, what was fascinating about China is they leapfrogged when you, when your technology base isn't great, it also means the upside is that you're not attached to legacy infrastructure. So they leapfrogged landline and went to mobile. That's why the mobile phone rate in the, in China grew so quickly they leapfrogged VHS and went straight to DVD. So their uptake on new technology was so rapid because they didn't have both habitual and infrastructure attachment to the old technology. And so it was a much more exciting time um, for me personally because of that, because of the speed of technology in China Mm. at the time felt so much faster and then you could really see this emerging creativity that was happening. I mean, look, I remember standing in a lift and listening to uh, an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical and seeing the faces of everyone around me and I thought, oh, my God, we have to get this here. So then we bought yes the first compilation musical to China had a DVD and then did deals with the TV networks and distributed it. And that sort of um, led, grew that. And then I built this data company in America where it was, for me, you know when you feel you know you have to build something to get to where you want and you know deep in your gut it's not the end game but you've got to do it. And I went to New York, we built these data systems inside these six companies that control $500 billion of advertising spend. So they make the decisions, right, on all these ad dollars on behalf of Coca-Cola and all the companies. And for the first time, we could just see where all the money was going and you could see the size of the market. And that became sort of the backbone to media trading in the US, all the Disney and NBC and all these companies used it. It, B2B, I kind of love plumbing as well. I love understanding that. (laughs) But what it did was for the first time we could see all the money. And if I hadn't done that, it wouldn't have built relationships with the TV networks and the media agencies and everything, but it also wouldn't have showed me what was broken and the vulnerability. We, We look at Facebook and these massive tech behemoths and we cannot imagine any fragility. They have no civic responsibility. They mm-hmm. just don't give a shit. They run their own race. They report to shareholders. They want to make more money. They control what we see and how we feel and they do not care that it causes teen suicide, for God's sake, Holly. I and mean, in what fucking world mm. are we living in that that's okay? And so yeah, that we had to take, there had to be an evolution of that. And what's fascinating 
when you build a model that delivers, advertises a better result, but shares the majority of all the money, then you create a much more abundant ecosystem where everything can thrive. I mean, we were looking at, um, we were looking at just, so in Australia, I was in Australia last week, we've got a cracking team there and there's 21 million social media users in, uh, users in Australia. We call people citizens, not users. But we were looking at the stats. If 20 million daily active eight citizens watched just two minutes of ads a day, so whether you're waiting for the bus, cleaning your teeth, whatever, just watch two minutes of ads a day, in one month, $28 million would go to charity, $360 million to the people, $8 million to Climate Solutions and $36 million to a creator fund to fund pure creativity, art, music, all of So, and by the way, we take 40 cents in the dollar to cover tech, the tech infrastructure and the security infrastructure and everything that's absolutely fucking massive behind the scenes. But when you build a system that is truly sustainable, which is not just good for the planet, but good for people and good for good for everyone, where everyone is thriving and it's moving from greed and scarcity and, and fear to abundance and love and where we're all thriving, then, the, and that, by the way, is just 20 million people. So imagine that. I mean, our whole mission yeah, is 2 imagine. billion. 2 billion people making this their social home, feeling safe, no, you can't be anonymous and um, zero tolerance of hate and pay your bills and let's all do good shit together, can we? <laughs> just listening to you, I've got, I mean, a, a million questions and I could just, I'm almost in a trance um, hearing your story and hearing about We Are Eight. There is a, just before we get more into it all and for yourself, you said you're 54 and you are a female and you're a mum and you talked about this sort of history of built this business and I sold this and I built it and I sold this and I built it. And a lot of people might be just listening, thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those women. What keeps you going in terms of like, is what made you just keep propelling yourself onto the next thing? Is it a, is, is it, do you strive to build? Is it a quest to right a wrong? I'd love to ask you this question too, because I think, I think we have to compare notes here, Holly, because I think things just choose you. I mean, this is very mission led transparently because it was more that, if if it was about the money, after I sold the data company, and by the way, before I sold that, to keep eight going, I had to borrow $5 million, by the way, at a 30% interest rate because no fucking bank would lend me the money. Um, and I had to borrow it from people. And so, and I've paid it all back now because thank God I sold the data company really successfully, thank God, because I could breathe for a second. But I I said to my husband, I would rather 
live in a caravan and know that I've given this my best shot because I can't see anyone else working on this. And because I'd come at it from the unique perspective of spending 35 years in the industry, really understanding the algorithms, the tech, the infrastructure, how to build a zero tolerance of hate place, how to how actually to do that, how to reimagine the ad model. By the way, we've built this, our version of Facebook ad manager, so it's the buying engine, so millions of brands can run their campaigns. We've built our SAMI, it's a sustainable ad manager, full transparency, better results, all of that, great. But that, I said, I have to build this because I can't see anyone else building it and that scares the shit out of me for the <laughs> for my kids. So um, my beautiful yeah. patient the- husband said, just go and do it, keep going, keep going. And and so it's, um, you just know you have to do it. And look, I, I think I, it's it's a responsibility, isn't it? I mean, you said on, on my behalf, I think it's the responsibility, you know, it, on my behalf, and 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 by the way, listeners, I am understanding my pecking order here with Sue in terms of not the pecking order, that's the wrong thing, in terms of what she's building and, and, and what I've built, but at the different, different sizes, but the same sort of um, heart and soul, which is, you know, every single day I went to sleep, I felt I had the responsibility of many people's livelihoods, heart, happiness on my shoulders. And people would almost say to me, why are you doing that? And I was like, well, I'm not built differently. I inherently care about people and I want them to be happier. And I think I have the key to do that. And now I know that I can't unknow it. So I better just get on and do it um, because who else is going to do it? You know, similarly, it's like you just said, well, is anyone else going to take on those people? I mean, you know, is anyone else going to, and we're going to get into this because some of the things that you say about We Are Eight, I'm like, this can, uh, and we're going to talk about the femininity that I'm feeling coming through the whole company. You know, it's it's potentially you're going to be the only one on this planet right now that is going to do it. So it, it, it it's that sort of responsibility, but also like, I'm just going to suck it up because also, this is what I can do. Do you know in that, and it's been a recent thing, and you're absolutely right, because once you see it, you can't unsee it. And then that just sits with you when you wake up, when you go to bed at night, all of that. What I've recently come to feel, which has been really liberating actually, I can just show up and do my best work every day. And I'm now, I've just got to build the best experience so people can see and feel it too and they can wake up oh my god in just two minutes a day could I get someone a meal oh my god we all have power Mm. collectively Mm. and when we're stripped of value and suppressed we've learnt to it's like lord of the flies we're just completely suppressed we everyone hates each other no one has enough money and everyone is sort of working out how they survive. I mean, the creative economy, everything is struggling. Mm. When you change the economic model and create a new patch of land that is built with values and a commitment and a civic responsibility, I can't wait, Holly, by the way, until we build a teacher's trust and a nurse's trust because the reality is these companies are global and we don't have a global Economy. We don't. We don't have a global um, government, 
and the governments mm. haven't charged the tech companies enough tax, so therefore they don't have enough money to pay or and to fund all the infrastructure. So what we want to do is, and by the way, I don't just want $100 billion to flow back to the people. I want $400 billion to flow back to a billion people mm-hmm. every year. And so I, what I feel like I've done is separate myself because we're all just doing it. I look at my chief technology officer. I look at my CEO in Australia. I look at all, I mean, all our team around the world, my CEO, everyone, it's actually all of us just doing the same work aligned by the same values to make this shit happen and bring it <laughs> bring it home. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's what committed citizens can do. I always talk about the Margaret Mead quote, you know, never underestimate it. Never underestimate the power of us. And, and it is true. Tell me, we are eight. I, you, tell me about what eight means because it's, um, it's beautiful when you realise... It represents the infinite power of people to come together to solve the world's biggest problems. It's just unity, togetherness, the infinite flow of a healthy ecosystem where everyone's winning. I mean, we look at Googleplex, for example, and I, I, you know, like Google as a company sometimes, that is the largest number. But infinity is bigger and abundant and keeps flowing. And in in an infinite world, everyone wins and we all, you know, affect each other. It's also the eighth oxygen is the eighth element on the chemical table, being a nerd. Um, I kind of love, it's the oxygen. <laughs> I love that. That we need to. The best founders are nerds. <laughs> <laughs> You don't Aren't feel they like absolutely, completely and utterly obsessed? There's nothing you don't know about that number eight, is there? I like you there could is... be your mastermind. What's your specialised subject? Nothing else but number eight. People tell me, I learn every day actually about the, do you know a funny thing? I, you know, we think we live with, because we say, actually just spend eight minutes on social because we're not saying get off the other platforms. Just spend eight minutes here Get a bit of inspiration by following people you love. See your friends free of algorithms. Watch a couple of ads, then go and live your life. And I realised I had my head down too, just working. I work about 20 metres from the British Museum and I hadn't been there for, I was there when I was 10 years old with my dad. And the other day I was running back to work and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go in there for 20 minutes and going into the British Museum was a heads up, life is amazing and we are just here for a little millisecond. And when you look at the the evolution and, and I mean, you know, perspective, right, Holly? Because we, we get so into what we're building and, and, you know, we've all just got our heads down. We've just got to somehow put our heads up. Every week, I hand over this part of the podcast to our brilliant partners at Dell Technologies. At Dell Technologies, they believe there isn't just an innovator in some of us, there's an innovator in every single one of us. I couldn't agree more. And it's why they're working hard to make their technology more powerful, simpler to use, and easier to access so you can do more incredible things. 
From bespoke tech solutions to empowering you with one-to-one advice on everything from the right hardware to security or cloud services, Dell can provide you with the right solutions to start and scale your business. Now, I know what you're thinking, um, Holly, I don't know where to start, or maybe that sneaky imposter syndrome has just kicked in. But I promise you all, the Dell Technologies advisors are real humans who really understand what it means to be a small business and help you every step of the way. Oh, and did I mention it's for free? To find out more information, head over to dell.co.uk forward slash small biz biz spelt with b-i-z and now back to our conversation of inspiration what i just also feel that you're doing here is that you're helping us cut ties with these things that have just become places of addiction and not only in our personal lives but for us founders as well and i have an entire community who are now basically dedicating hours and hours and hours of their day to fuel what they feel that they have to have in order to succeed in business yeah. and i i i i'd love to come back to that because the main one of the things that really just grabbed me was this way that you have identified this validation of ourselves, the fact that we're allowed to hide, the fact that that ultimately drives hate and it's been pumped into our society like mm-hmm. never before, actually. I mean, I've never known anything. So it's then ultimately, isn't it, um, seeping into the media everywhere that we're consuming. Um, And you have zero tolerance for hate. Now, how are you reinventing that wheel? And how are you actually influencing positivity? Because for a lot of people, they would just go, this just can't be done. Like, how, how have you got the courage to do this, Sue? Again, I mean, I I just think it's, oh, my God, no one else is going to do this. I mean, the hate piece has been really interesting because the the fact that it is allowed is truly shocking and the tech companies hide behind freedom of speech, but that is complete rubbish. What they are fueling is hate speech because... They, that, they get more views, it makes things stickier, they can serve people more ads and their business models thrive on that. Or I, although I think we're learning from Elon Musk that advertisers are really tired. No one wants to turn up in a place full of hate, right? So, but I think it's, it's, it's hate abuse. We, we've got a lot of football clubs joining us and the abuse that one player told us recently that he received 400 death threats on his Instagram DM, death threats, and his family, members of his family also received death threats, not just hate, actual death threats, because he missed a goal. So not only have we become the largest unpaid workforce in human history and every brand has their beautiful organic content strangled with algorithms to force them to spend more money to buy ads, which is already, in my opinion, corrupt. Like we are all working for the man, literally, Zuckerberg. Not only is that happening, but we're being fed and our children are being fed hate. And that's just not okay. So the way we've built it, you can't be anonymous on eight. 
the way the the eight stage works, so the eight stage is where we curate the top every top eight every day, but it's where you can follow creators you love. And you have to be verified. Our version of the blue tick is a golden eight halo. We're launching a whole new experience around that in January. It's very exciting. So we uh, uh, approve creators. You can't buy your way into that. We approve creators and we've got a whole tone that we're setting Bring your best, show up differently, inspire your audiences. And then the friends feed, because we've separated out the ads, there's a whole friends feed that we accept each other as friends. So if you if there's anything hateful either in a post, a comment, a profile, that would be it's someone that you've accepted, but we have 24-hour moderation. We have AI built in to protect it and people are much, much less likely to do something if they can't be anonymous. Most of that comes from anonymity. I was going to ask that. Is is that, do you think that that is the single, obviously there's a number of elements, but is that do you believe that the hum, human spirit and is that our biggest thing that we just hide and we will we will know it right if you you wouldn't you text something but you would never say it in front of somebody you know even our tones change don't they when we can hide just behind a text message even if they know who you are it changes it so now you don't even know who you are so you can behave as you like do you think that is the bit anonymity it- is a, is a key to fixing a lot along with the AI and everything else. But I think when we take a, a deeper look at that, it's the broken constructs of society. I mean, people are lonely, people are fearful, people can't get enough food on the table. It's all the basic needs of humanity that these platforms have broken down. I mean, we're seeing a result of 14 years of social media to the level of hate that we've got now. And, and the way I look at it on a big picture level is people are just angry and tired and scared and, you know, we, we all become the worst versions of ourselves when uh, we're under economic pressure. We all become the, ver- the, you know, and some people's worst versions, if you don't have a value set that, I mean, I, I feel grateful that I had parents that instilled a set of values in me. and But if I didn't have that, if I wasn't lucky enough to have that, then I'm rudderless. Layer on top of that 90 minutes a day of social media where I'm being fed and controlled. Layer on top of that the economic pressures on everyone. And in a way, we're just, I don't blame humanity. I blame the tech companies actually <laughs> i think there's a there's a systemic massive systemic rewrite that needs to happen and look governments haven't moved quickly enough they're not set up to move quickly enough i mean this is why we need to have we're giving each eight citizen a vote um actually we're doing this whole program next year where we're going to have a vote on eight as a verified individual eight citizen, you're going to have a vote. So we're going to be able to put things out to the community saying, do you think we should do this? Or do, I mean, at the moment, you, we don't take any money from oil companies, for example. Um, we don't take any money from political parties. But we can we can put what sickened me actually is seeing that Facebook took over a billion dollars from charities 
in 2020, a, a year when the charities were on their knees, they took a took a billion dollars in advertising revenue from charities, which was sort of shocking. So it's kind of the whole goal is to have a global democratic voice. The power is absolutely enormous. You know, I'm sure the listeners are thinking this as well. You know, you're 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 talking about harnessing the humans, all of us, to do the right thing. And yet do you get scared sometimes about what you're actually saying here? Like sometimes it's, I say to people, be careful what you wish for, because I am only talking my own entrepreneurial experience, you know, had this dream and it was going to be great and no way was I going to succeed, but of course I was. And then I did. And then I built it and then I was caught in it. And then I, it became bigger than I could ever believe. You know, I look at it now and I'm, I'm now older and wiser and I'm, I'm ready to go again, but does it scare you what you're actually saying? Because we can say these things. What happens when you when you are when you're the new Zuckerberg? Yeah, the thing is, oh God, that sends shivers down my spine. No, but you know what I mean. I don't actually mean that. I mean that that powerful position. Yeah. Do you know the thing is? I think that it's an entirely different mindset. I mean, I was built to serve Holly. I mean, I, this is not about the money. I couldn't give a shit. Do I have a duty to make my shareholders money? Yes. Do I want to be able to, you know, have a house and a couple of holidays every year? Yeah, great. But the reality is it, it's the civic duty part of this. And by the way, it's not even about me. I've, I've worked very hard. We always built this to be a new reimagined home for a couple of billion people on digital. We, we built this buying engine to support millions of brands. So for me, it's it's really about and and becoming a B Corp was if I drop dead tomorrow, God, I hope that doesn't happen because I really am excited about seeing the magical things get, that are going to emerge. The creative fund grows and when we become a, a funnel of money to charities, I, I'm excited about seeing all of that. But the reality is we're a B Corp. We have the infrastructure set up. We have it hard-coded that we share the majority of the wealth. We're giving people the vote. So it's it's everything we're doing is built to serve society in a transparent new way because we've spent seven years and $35 million really trying to reimagine and we couldn't set it up as a not-for-profit because no one, you can't, if it, if it is charity, then it doesn't, it, it, the infrastructure's not there. We want to serve charities. We want to serve all that work. Mm, yeah, I just, and also, you know, the way you're describing it, I'm almost going, yeah, a couple of billion people. It's all right. You can do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, actually, <laughs> okay. You can do you that, know, right? Well, it's, it's because, you know, it's when I started this podcast saying, you know, tech and the imposter syndrome and Facebook and Instagram, as you said, these Goliath, you know, massive companies that you literally don't think that there's anything that can shake them or rock them. And yet when we're talking about this, um, you know, in the way that you're speaking about it. And I'd love to touch on this um, part, which is the femininity that you're bringing into this. You know, that the social media ultimately has been created by men. 
And I also am here to serve. It's funny you should say that that's what I, you know, I feel like that's it. You know, for me, it's small businesses. For you, it's the globe and and us humans. But it, I'm here to serve. And actually, you think about the qualities potentially we're both bringing into these, well, into our own communities of care, of responsibility, of values, of helping the underdog, of helping people with less than ourselves, of bringing people together and actually not feeling threatened by that, by the connections are the most powerful thing that we can create. Talk to me about feeling, I'm, I'm sure it hasn't gone amiss that that's exactly what you're doing. And that that's required that femininity to come into this very, very powerful position that you're going to find yourself in. Do you, do you feel very feminine? I do, actually. I, f- I feel like I've always been fighting to get a seat at the table with the tech guys. I was told many times I did not, I needed a makeover. I've been told many, many times I needed a makeover. I wasn't young enough to be in this business. I wasn't, I didn't dress right, whatever. But this could only be created, not just with experience of technology, media, the ad ecosystem, but it's with the heart of of a woman transparently. And so many people, because we share, we have sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and families and we, we we look at the world differently and where they see control and power and I'm being real, I work with some incredibly beautiful men so I don't want to sound like that and we can't marginalise and I, I fear that actually. I have three sons and I'm worried that one of my sons said to me recently, Mama, I'm going to have to become gay to get a job and that worries me when my you know, when our kids are speaking like that, that's not good either, right? It's almost, but I, I did a wonderful podcast with Mo Gaudet a few weeks ago. And actually he helped me use the word femininity rather than woman and man. Because actually, um, I hope my son, who's going to turn 18, I talked to him about embracing his femininity. And actually it's not to the detriment of his masculinity, but to embrace it because actually that's something I fear that actually a lot of our young men don't necessarily feel that they can do. And I think that these are qualities in the future, especially in the world that you're creating, that they're going to be allowed to be more feminine. Totally. And look, our whole thing, I think there's this reset, Holly, because we invite people to show up as their truer selves. So it doesn't matter how old you are, who you kiss, the colour of your skin, how many followers you have, it's you that are beautiful and powerful and amazing. So as we reset, how you show up as yourself is interesting and we've been working with a lot of our eight family of talent, amazing artists, actors, footballers, people as they prepare to come into this new home where they can be them, their truest selves because how they're going to show up, these musicians, people are going to show up as this reimagined version of themselves and that is exciting because that is going to set the tone for how we can all be our truest self. I've got to say, I found it really challenging. I've never had a face. I've always, 
I saw the evil of it very early and I felt the evil of it, honestly, very early. Um, I've never had a Facebook page because when you look at um, a sort of the old world of social, I just saw how broken it, you know, if you go back to looking into the TV and thinking about how it all worked. Yeah. I did the same thing very early with Facebook when he was being hailed as a god connecting us all. And by the way, in some ways now, I think thank you for connecting two billion people on the planet because in about 12 months' time, I reckon they're going to be writing, it's time to break up. Thank you very much. Thank you for all the good times, but now it's time to leave. And and do you think, you know, with COVID and everything and and this, the, as you said, the global economic crises and the, the war and all these sorts of things that we have reached a tipping point, you know, there is times, don't you feel the universe almost has its crazy ability to time things? And I'm experiencing that right now for myself, but that you can't actually make it up, you know, that... You know, I, I think about what I'm hearing about Facebook and I'm hearing all about the meta and everything. And actually you're talking about January and, you know, as much as you wanted to perfect have a perfect storm and you're a brilliant woman, there is something else, isn't there, that comes along that just gives you these environments where you're like, okay, literally the universe is saying for us to go for it. I do. And that gets back to your femininity. I mean, I, I believe deeply... I mean, you can see I've got these crystals on my desk and all this coding stuff. I mean, it, it, it's it's all this mis, mix of stuff because the universe has to be on our side. By the way, I always sort of laugh at the idea that um, the planet does not need humanity. You know, we're not saving the planet. It's yes. it, We've got to unite to look after our own species and protect our beautiful planet. So, th- so I do feel on some, you know, I really do feel like now is the time when we can come together and what I'm excited about is seeing all of the people that are going to drive change and, and how that feels. That's exciting to me. I mean, it's always what the technology enables. I mean, great, Zuckerberg, you connected us and that was brilliant. But the intention on why you built that technology was to judge women to get dates in university and you've built that into a massive thing and that's really good. Now it's time to now it's time to you to realize well, the scaffolding how... you've got is pure and it's full of values. It's not it doesn't have that DNA in a way. You know that their DNA was corrupted already from the start, wasn't it? And it seeped into something being huge. And I think during the pandemic, I think a lot of us wanted to make change. We we so desperately want to make change with the environment. We're relying on every four years having to deal with the comedy of our governments and all of these sorts of things. We feel absolutely powerless and yet we're ready to vote. I talk about voting with your money. That's what I ask everybody to do for small businesses. I think society is ready, ready to go. We've just not been able to do it together. And maybe that's what you're going to give us. I'm interested to know, how do you think the competitors are going to feel about you. And are you, because, you know, you're talking about people who run the world, sort of. Are you worried about that? You worried about the what could happen? 
I mean, part of my job, right, Holly, is to look to to risk protect all the downsides. So, you know, yes, on every front, tech, uh, infrastructure. I think, look, we've just got to always speak our truth to why. We've got to remain and continue fully transparent in in everything we're doing. Uh, we've got security infrastructure and everything around all our tech and we've got to... Um, the thing is, if Facebook, Meta, Twitter, TikTok turn around and say, oh, we'll give 60% of our revenue back to people and planet, bring it on. I actually hope, look, they're going to attack, <laughs> they're going to attack me personally um, I've, in every way possible. I'm, I'm ready for that. I, you know, I, I, I think I've been training for 35 years to get to a point where, you know, I'm not. 18. So that, the, I feel very ready personally for it. My team feels ready. We've got to keep speaking our truth. We're going to get things wrong. But the intention, the product, the infrastructure, the everything is built to now um, be the new home. And, and it's not us controlling. I mean, I've always even loved people like Bill Gates, etc., and many tech leaders. But the reality is, it's always the men controlling, even the philanthropy. They control where the money goes. They control what gets fixed, where the wealth goes. And I just don't think that is always the right way. I mean, I think we need to well, look after each other. Well, it's not the future, is it? It can't be the future. You, talk, you spoke about, you know, January's coming along lots of exciting things happening. You're changing the way people, huge amounts of money are um, bringing, you know, advertising and hopefully going to use your platform. You've got great names already all, all on the platform. Is this also a place I represent small businesses? Is this a place that small businesses can join in as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, I mean, I'm, I'm hugely grateful for all the big brands that are, are saying that we're committed to a better way. But what we've built, I mean, Facebook make half their revenue from small and medium enterprise. And so we've built, uh, we're making it equally as easy. We've built our version of Facebook Ad Manager, which is Sammy, our sustainable ad manager. It's delivering all these brands, whether it, we we running campaigns for many brands like Huel, Packed Coffee, all of these small and medium brands, incredible results, um, beauty brands, fashion brands. It, it's beautiful seeing the results for those small and medium businesses because I think they've been really hurt by increasing conversion mm. costs. Oh, they have. Right? I mean, Are you seeing that? I talk to founders all, oh, oh my goodness, you know, I talk to founders continuously, this is my 180th podcast. And, you know, I talk about the changing landscapes and, and what um, businesses have relied upon and then built their success upon. And then all everything just gets pulled from under their feet. And, the, you know, they, they've, they've got to then find a new way. And the problem is they haven't worked any other muscle. And so they find themselves in a position where they're very, very vulnerable and they shouldn't be. They should have the foundations should have all been stacked and they should have been able to bank that security Absolutely. and they haven't been able to. Absolutely. And I look at, I mean, one of the things when you, with our platform, so if you're following 
creators or if you're you're a verified brand and, and you build a following, on We Are 8, we've got a little link and you can tap on a piece of content and go out. So whether that's to your YouTube channel, to your website, to your whatever, you know how the old world, they keep you controlled in, you can't tap out anywhere. Yeah. Ours is different because we we make our money transparently from that two or four minutes you day watch you watch an ad. Everything not else, all the other hidden ways, right? Not in other hidden ways. So if you're a beautiful brand, small business, and you're clever enough to create organic, beautiful content, and people want to follow you, if they then tap out and go and buy that product, or learn more about that brand, or whatever all power to you and that's in your database because one of the things that sort of outraged me is in the early days everyone thought oh we're building our followers we're building our database no they are not your customers there's only one person it's only the platforms that are benefiting so we are completely the 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 idea of sustainable and liberated infrastructure because we're very confident that even those brands that are having that success will still buy ads because we've, we're delivering brands at 22% average click-through rate versus a 0.2 or 0.3, 0.4% click-through rate and much better results. So we're confident in the model that we've built so we don't have to strangle everyone. Um, I know it's so broken. It's We're going to look back, Holly, and go, I reckon we're going to look back in whatever, a year, two years, and just go, oh, my God, how was that really bad phase that we went through? As you know, I will only ever work with a small number of partners who I genuinely connect with and believe that we're aligned on our mission and shared values. It's why I'm so happy to partner with Avon. For over 136 years, Avon has been committed to creating a better world for women. To date, globally, they've donated over $1 billion to breast cancer causes, including education and funding over 16 million breast health screenings, plus over $88 million to tackle domestic violence worldwide. In the UK, Avon has also proudly partnered with Copperfield, founded by Kristin Hallinger, who I've interviewed on this very podcast. They've also supported Look Good, Feel Better, Refuge and Women's Aid. And just over the last six years alone, through profits and product donations, Avon has donated over £4 million to these incredible charities to help them continue their life-saving and life-changing work. Their continued commitment to supporting women is unmatched in the beauty industry. And it's just one of the reasons I am so very proud to call them a partner of Holly & Co. If you'd like to learn more about Avon, becoming an Avon rep and our work together, head over to www.avon.uk forward slash holly.co. Now back to our conversation of inspiration. 
from a sort of economic point of view as well, from a from a standpoint, if you're a small business and you know this, you you know I'm I am there. I would love, love, love to work with you and and all of these sorts of things. But from also a personal point of view, for people, for what it's been doing to our mental health, you know the the famous Netflix and documentary. Uh, I you know look at our children. You have three sons. I have one son you know, through whatever age I allowed him to get a phone. And then there was the screen time that we allowed him. And then that obviously goes completely out the window. Um, and then you get to the point where now, ultimately, it's just, you know, it is in our hand. It's almost, you know, it's it's sewn into his hand. It's it's basically continuous. It's, it's you know, we think it's a good day when it's three hours. Um, and that's going in and out, in and out. This, what you're talking about is basically if we allow ourselves, if we come off the addiction, Mm. you're not going to try and force us back in. And this could potentially start to be some healing remedies for our young. I mean, how do you think they're going to, how are you, are you looking to try and compete with the TikToks and all of that sort of side of things? Yeah. I mean, we're starting by saying eight minutes a day. So just come into eight for eight minutes a day, get inspired by awesome content, see your friends, you know, watch a couple of ads and get paid, pay your Spotify, pay your mobile bill, happy days. What we do think is going to happen, and by the way, when you're scrolling on the eight stage, it's then going to say the little, there's a little eight hand that is basically the open hand of connection and you can add one to your profile and stuff. But along with an anthem, actually, you can add a song to your profile, which is kind of a nod to MySpace. Everyone loved that, actually. But we're saying get off, go and live. What I I feel on a deep level that we have to do is remind people how absolutely magical it is to put our heads up and start celebrating each other and really connecting with each other and, oh, I'm safe here and then start inspiring people with the process of creativity because, you know, what TikTok's done, we're using other people's songs, we're dancing and then we're following everyone's dances. We're not actually thinking, creating. Everything is sort of the same and actually it's going pretty weird, honestly, on what's being pushed to so horrifically weird it's frightening. I mean, even that I think is the worst in some ways. It's so twisted and freak show-ish half the time. Yep. So you look at that. I mean, that. Wait, that, that's my evening's uh, supper time with my son. He just right. saves these videos and we sit down and my husband's cooked a lovely meal and we're sitting there as a family and he says, do you want to see a couple of videos? And I go, mm-hmm. and he shows them to me and I'm like, where did you get those? He's like, oh, it's just on TikTok. You know, it's, 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 it's actually unbelievable what our young have in their heads that I never knew until I was about 20. And I, and it actually, I still am learning. I mean, there's still stuff that I can't believe that's that's in their heads. But I, I love this idea that this hand almost comes along and almost pushes you back out into the world. Yeah. Um, you know, exactly what you do not expect from someone that's meant to be sucking us in. Yeah, and and... That, coupled with amazing people we love, inspiring us to do little things that are reconnecting us with life. 
really, whether that is, mm. you know, walking a dog or whatever it is. It's because there are so many nature photographers, videographers, all of these great creators that have thrived on, you know, lots of these platforms. They're not making a lot of money unless they get brand. They have to hustle and go and do deals with brands directly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as a platform, 5% of our money goes to our creator fund. So that's fueling a whole creative economy for all of these people to bring their best content and have their pure creativity fueled. I'm very excited about that actually and what it's going to create. It's just going to be magical, isn't it? I mean, you don't, you can't even, you can sort of picture it, but you probably are never going to be able to picture what's coming your way uh, because it's just, that's the whole point. That's the whole it's, point. You know, you're going to tap into something. Tell me if you, before I come to the end of this podcast, I wanted to ask you, what would you say is such a, well, I mean, it has to be a big question to you because you came onto this podcast basically saying you're going to help 2 billion people and uh, help make us happier and more creative. Don't worry. I'm not going to, I mean, I'm slightly going to hold you to it, but that's fine. No, do, Tell me what do. your ultimate, I'm going to, I am. I'm, don't you worry. I'm, I send little cards. I'm going to send you a lovely card. <laughs> um, tell me what the ultimate dream is for you. So when you look back at 64, you'll still be doing this, I'm sure, what would you hope to have achieved? I think together we can create a new sustainable economic framework so that that is just free-flowing and the new normal where 2 billion people are voting on collective issues that we have a really healthy planet because we're pumped billions of dollars back into it, where we have a healthy, thriving, creative economy and people are, have a source of support to do that and where we're collaborating across the whole ecosystem with each other in ways that we haven't imagined. And, and that's where it's infinite, right? It's mm. sustainable and it's infinite and that I cannot even imagine. I mean, we, we, I was looking at Charity Water, a charity that I really love because they have well sponsors that fund all of the organisation and then every cent you, every pound you put towards them or every dollar goes to a project and so it's fully transparent and I absolutely love them. And we were imagining a world where a billion people donating a dollar from their wallet through to Charity Water, imagine that happening in a day, right? So a billion people getting a Coca-Cola ad and, look, you could say as an activist for the planet, do you accept ads from Coca-Cola? Yes, we do, but it's your choice whether you want to watch it. We yep, don't accept yep. oil companies. But imagine eight brands sending out eight ads to a billion people today. We're getting a dollar. And we're paying it forward to, to Charity Water. That's a billion dollars in the water coffers to help get 800 million people fresh water. So it's this, so imagine every Gosh. month then, all I want to do is once this ecosystem is all built and thriving, I just want to invent amazing things that we can solve together to make it so yeah. fun. Imagine getting a message, yeah. push notification, Holly, good morning. Guess what today? We're going to end the water crisis. 
No fucking way. Are you kidding me? Yes, that's what oh we're going to do. I mean, this is killing me. I'm literally so excited. I can barely oh, even I speak and you. finish this podcast. Oh, the- what are you saying? I mean, I would literally just jump out of my bed. I'd watch my ads. I would get paid and I would pay it forward. And then I would want you to say something to me tomorrow as well. And this is what you're saying, that we could actually, in every single day of our lives, you know, not just moan at the TV, um, and expect other people to do it. You, you're putting the power in our hands. Yeah, you're putting the power really in your own hands at that point. We've just built yeah. the infrastructure. It's not even us. Then, And by the way, we've realised that it's a lot about the celebration. So after you do that, you're going to get all these loved up messages from your friends. You're going to get a thing from Charity Water. You're going to see those wells in Africa. You're going to... You're gonna, feel, actually, it's the, the giant Feel the shoot. effect. Yeah, it's the shoot. And look, my- and, look, and look what that's doing. Rather than negativity that we're sucking up, we're actually going to be then sucking up the good news. And that's what I always say to, you know, I say to the young kids in, in my life, you know, there is so much more good news than bad news. It just so happens that you only hear about the bad news. And that is, you know, 10% of the world. 90% of everything that happens today on this planet is beautiful. Um, and that's the thing that you need to hear. So I'm um, I'm literally, I don't know how I'm going to even concentrate after this podcast, but <laughs> we always end this podcast with a um, analogy of a roller coaster. Now yours, I- I'm almost picturing it so big and, you know, almost the roller coaster goes into space a bit. Not oh. Elon Musk. Oh, but you know what I mean? Like into space a bit and all those sort of things. Tell me, what would you say has been one of your biggest lows throughout your career? Oh, truthfully, Holly, I've had so many. But look, having one month capital money to left and not knowing how I was going to pay 24 salaries four weeks for, from Christmas, that was a low point. I did work it out. This is a number of years ago in the middle of COVID. Um Letting people go, you know, it's just still so hard and it's even harder for a mission-driven business. I still find it really hard when I have to let people go. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just hanging on to the light when things feel really tough. I mean, we've all, you've felt it, we've all felt it and it's it's just hanging on and finding that reason deep in your boots just to keep going. I, I empathise. I mean, I didn't have to do that but I... It's it's scary. It's scary building. It's as much as we can high five the hell out of each other. It is scary building, isn't it? Conversely, talking about the highs, um, what would you say has been your biggest high so far? Weirdly, and actually, again, there've been a lot of highs. Um, they always come out of the lows. You know, the best highs are also never to do with the money. They're always about the people. So when I look back, the great they're never selling a company. When I sold my first company, I actually just wanted to go to bed for three days. I was so exhausted. The, the, the highs, I remember dancing at the opening ceremony of the Sydney Olympic Games with my team of nearly 100 people. Everyone had worked so hard. I remember walking up the steps to the Great Hall of the People when we bought the first musical to China with Lloyd Webber. Um, so many magical moments with people 
who have worked so hard to get somewhere. And that's why, I mean, you talk about Elon and outer space. There's an, uh, there's an amazing OCEF, an ocean research vessel that we're committed. By the way, 80% of our oceans are not yet explored. They need $8 million a year to fund all the ocean research projects. David Attenborough is an amazing supporter. But we want to unite 8 million people to watch ads for one day in June and fund a year's worth of ocean research projects. And so while they're all off in space, while Elon's trying to control outer space, hello, we've got the perfect planet right here. Can we just focus on that for just a minute? And so the fun, when you say the greatest high, I look at things that are coming up and what is possible through tiny, fun, collective action. By the way, imagine David Attenborough sending you a little notification saying, thank you so much. He has not agreed to do this yet. I'm hoping he will if you know him. And by the way, did I not tell you, Sue, you can say anything on this podcast and it comes true. <laughs> it's got a, like a magical thing. Really? So don't you worry. David is going to say yes now because somehow all my guests tell me then when they put this out on this podcast, it's like it's transporting it somewhere. So just oh. consider it done. Oh, I love that because imagine in June, 8 million people watching ads for one million, one, uh, one minute a day or $1 a day and funding the, the discovery of our oceans. And my son wants to be a marine archaeologist, so I'm right there. He's I mean, coming I don't know. Out I mean, with of us. course. It... Holly? Okay. We're going. Please. We're doing this. Okay. I'm, oh my gosh, this is getting better <laughs> and better. I just honestly, so I just, I literally, you might be a bit busy um, building a new social media platform, and I'm really conscious of the time. Um, tell me, I asked you if you would write a letter to your younger self. And I can't believe I'm asking such a busy woman to do something like this. But I was wondering if you have, and if you have, whether you would read it out. Yes, I have. And I have to, um, there was, on Saturday morning, I was saying, oh my God, this is really painful having to do this. And then by the end of it, I actually wanted to thank you because, um, I have done it. Anyway, it's it's a very unusual thing for me to do and it feels I never look back. So it feel it's ma- it made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> so I'm trusting you with my soul here, Holly, because it was a a very hard thing for me to do on Saturday morning. I thank you for giving up your precious time Saturday morning for not cursing me too much, which I know many, many, many busy founders literally go, I I agree to the podcast. I did not agree to Saturday morning. And though for you looking at the past, because I know you're 1000 miles going in the future. And so I, I really do thank you for sharing with us a little bit of your soul today, Sue. Oh, thanks, Holly. Shall I dive in? Go ahead. Letter to my younger self. The funny thing about writing this letter is that I don't often look back. And writing this is a really tough thing for me to do. And maybe, little Susie, you should look back sometimes, even if just to look at what your amazing teams are doing every day and celebrate them. I always strive forward, driven by some invisible force that I know you feel too. You've always felt this. 
even from the time you used to talk into the TV and imagine what was possible when the characters would talk back to you. Strangely, everything good seems to happen when we don't force it. Just keep working hard and try and breathe in between your obsessively driven focus and forgive yourself for all the mistakes. Know that I see your truth and the pure intention deep in your heart and always know that you're braver and more resilient than anyone knows. Just go for it. When you see the injustice and those really big problems in a way that other people don't and you dream up the solutions, just keep going. When you feel like no one understands what you're talking about, just keep going. Eventually, people will see and understand because you see things in a different way. And that's a good thing, even though I know it makes you feel so lonely. I would say don't let the injustices you see all around you make you angry. But you probably need to see and feel that to see how everything is connected and see how big business can be reimagined. Your sensitivity is your superpower, and the way you look at the world and want to deeply protect people in our planet is beautiful and powerful. Don't let people tell you this is a distraction. It is at the heart of everything, and broken big business will wake up to that one day. You're a poet, a creator, and an observer, and you know you have to fight against the injustice, and you know that you can compete with those big tech guys and do it better. Trust your gut. You can reimagine the systems upon which we all live in a way that we all move from scarcity, fear and hate to abundance, freedom and love. And in the process, people around the world will wake up to their amazing power to change the world together. Never let anyone tell you it is impossible. To my eight-year-old self, you are sunshine Keep shining brightly, even when Megan Wixie tries to bash you up. And you can escape North Dandenong. Those big dreams you have will become real. To my 18-year-old self, please be brave enough not to laugh it off when your radio station boss calls you Legs 11 and remind him respectfully that your name is Sue. Learn to read contracts well. Some people will tell you all the things they will do for you and then after the deal is signed, they do nothing. Put accountability into all contracts and then put on loud music and dance it out. To my 28-year-old self, learn to talk about numbers and company growth like a banker. Use the fact that others underestimate you as a strength. It makes them blind. Take a breath. You know that small daily actions done with discipline and consistency will drive results. That every extra hour separates you from the norm. And it's all going to be okay. You will fall in love. You will work in New York City. To my 38-year-old self, three small sons and work can coexist. Good friendships are precious treasures. Nurture them. Always invest in hiring people that you think you can't afford and always elevate and champion them. Only work with exceptional people. To my 48-year-old self, I know you feel like you're living on a razor's edge, but you can learn to dance there too. The best is yet to come and you will get through it. Go for more walks in the forest and breathe. When you feel most alone, that is when you can connect with your highest self. 
all the best things are really, really hard. Keep going. You see the world differently and that's a good thing. Let the energy from people telling you it is impossible put fire in your belly. Life is too short to make yourself small to make others feel comfortable. You know it's destined for women and diverse leaders to transform the broken $500 billion digital media sector and build the biggest digital media company in the world because that is exactly how we solve the global economic and climate and mental health crises we find ourselves in today. You know it. Just keep going. End. <laughs> Thank God, she says. Sorry. She's, oh, I know that was so released. long. I mean, it was just so bloody beautiful. I just literally thought you just, oh my goodness. And I know so many people are going to be wiping away tears. <sighs> Thank you. That was really you hard know, you for just, me, you beautiful woman. <laughs> I don't it think- was just so beautiful and vulnerable and I empathised with those those dates and those moments you picked to pick out and um, I was thinking when you were reading so glad you're backing our corner I'm so glad that you have been put on this planet oh I'm just so honoured that you have come onto this podcast because I know where you're going and I'll be able to say one day do you know I interviewed her? Do you know that I actually spent that time with her? And as a female leader, I now look up to you as one of the greats. And um, I just, I just wish you absolutely everything. everything. And I, I really, please don't give up because actually you just spoke such beautiful words and we all need you to do this. So you've got our backing and thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Holly. You are right back at you because you are a beautiful, beautiful human being and I love what you're doing. If you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co.